Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Last hour here for Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can follow us on the socials at Walker Mail, at Wes Bryant underscore 72, at HTB underscore Josh. Yeah, our show even has a handle, at Wesson Walker. You can follow us anywhere. Wes has been heavy on the social media game. You wouldn't expect anything less. He's been filming Jeremy Chin do his interview with us. Same thing with Iki Kwanu. And also filming me try to... Throw a football all the way across court to see if I can hit it. Now, I don't know. You tell me, Wes. Is that is that 50 yards away? I don't know. How far do you think that basketball goal oh, is? Oh, no, that's a court? little longer than 50. Okay. I'd say, I'd say maybe about 60 or so. Before we leave here, I'm going to get closer to the ba- this just like the out-of-bounds line here that's close to us on this court. And I'm going to aim, and I feel decent enough that I can hit that. So we're going to turn into dude perfect. I mean, we're going to. Okay. I mean, I'm I, with it, man. Look, I'd, I'll, I'll tell you something. I don't think this is embarrassing. I think it's cool, but when you preface it with that, it's probably going to be embarrassing. <laughs> I had a trick shot video out there as a kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did. That's pretty cool. I put it out as a freshman in high school, just me and one of my buddies out there clowning. He had a camera, was very good with tech, and so I was like, hey, we might as well shoot a video. And so we just went all around the neighborhood, and we brought a trash can, and then we'd create crazy shots, and then also had a basketball goal. We'd do you some had a high-pitched shots. voice, too. You was like, I'm walking around. Um, um. Freshman year of high school would have been higher, yes. And my buddies would make fun of me when I would have the voice crack because freshman, sophomore year, that's when it was going down. Yeah. That's when the voice would change quite a bit. And so that video, you might be able to hear me talk, and it might sound very different. You should have kept going, man. You could have uh, ended up having a big channel. I forget what some of those guys. Uh, I don't know if I would be cut out with what Mr. dude. Mr. Beast. I'm or, just going to talk about real sports instead. Yeah, they have a they have their own facility now. Like it's yeah, they crazy do. Crazy how much it money is. they've made off of it. It's YouTube. really cool. It's nuts. I don't know if I would have been able to put anything like that together, but we're going to do it here at least. At least for five minutes, I'm going to try to hit that basketball goal. And if I don't, I'm going to get a little closer. You're going to edit and it, I'm so it try looks. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm well, I don't know. Like you keep uh saying how you don't think I'm going to be able to hit it. Are you going to be able to hit it? I think so. I think we both will. Okay. It might we might be here today cut the lights <laughs> off, but <laughs> All right, I apologize to the Panthers. We're just going to spend the night here and then we'll we'll uh drive yeah. early in the morning to go back to the Planet Kia Studios. I did want to talk about some Panthers news coming in earlier today because we did get the news that Bravion Roy Defensive tackle for Carolina was waived earlier this morning. He was a former six-round pick out of Baylor. He was a Matt Rule guy. I mean, it was a six-round pick, as I just mentioned, because Matt Rule was here. And also, I kind of like Ravion Roy, too, at least at the beginning, right? I mean, I think he Mm -hmm. had enough talent to stay on this football team. They gave him a chance. And it seemed like with the change to a 3-4 defense, Wes, it didn't seem there was going to be a real role for him to play. And that's why they decided to move on. With that signing, they replaced him with LeBron Ray and Alabama. A product. He also spent time with the Patriots last season and recently played in the XFL. Are there any other guys that you might think, I don't know, maybe casualties isn't the right word because they can still be on the roster, mm-hmm. but will suffer because of a new scheme that you expect Jero Averro to bring? Or will be he be multiple enough 
to figure out different places for guys to play, um, you know, if they just so happen to be better in a different type of front. Yeah, because when you look at Roy, you thought with the size, they had him listed at 6'1", 330 pounds. You would think that 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 type of size would be an ideal nose guard uh, for this defense. 2022, he played 13 games, four starts, had an interception, three passes, defense, 17 tackles. But uh, like I said, you would think he would be an ideal fit uh, for this defense, but it was not to be. But as you glaze over uh, the rest of this roster and look at guys who – could end up maybe suffering from the depth or the new scheme change and things of that nature. I mean, it's hard to tell at this point, but you would think that maybe, hmm, I mean, just some of the guys that they brought in, kind of ancillary parts, maybe like a guy like an Eric Rowe maybe, or uh, because some of the other positions, when you look at the pass rusher opposite Brian Burns, there could be some guys that may not uh, make it once a decision is made, but a decision has to be made uh, at this point. And then I would also point to a Brandon Smith, a guy that you've been reading about. Uh, They've been saying that he's been struggling uh, so far during some of the camps, but maybe with the pads on, he can make his presence felt so uh, those are a few guys that I would observe so different roles now you know Roy not going to be here any longer after he was waived so we'll see what happens with Bravion Roy one of the not last Matt Rule guys because there are other guys on the roster that were drafted while Matt Rule was the head coach but if you're just talking about outside of first round picks then it's going to be a little harder for those players to stick around when Mm -hmm. you have a new regime first round talent that's going to be first round talent no matter who is the head coach I did want to discuss some of the comments that we had earlier Earlier today, recapping some of those comments, I want to talk about Jeremy Chin a little bit. I feel like Jeremy Chin got frustrated with us, Wes. I do. Think and so? I understand. I get it. Because Chin has been, at, been answering questions about his role with Phil Snow last year, two years ago, same story, and even this year. You have a different defensive coordinator, so this conversation continues to have life breathed into it because now you might think it actually is going to change. Jeremy Chin did talk about his conversations with Ajero Vero, bringing out more of the strengths. And then I asked, what were those strengths? And he said, well, it's playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Now, I don't know how much we got from Jeremy Chin in that interview. I feel like that was something to point out, and maybe we could all expect it because that's a way that he did play pretty well in his rookie season when he had to take over for some guys that were hurt but was also playing well maybe this is something that he can be unleashed here playing in that slot he did mention that quite a bit but also playing closer to the line of scrimmage yeah i i know he's frustrated but it's the question to ask about him we don't know what role he's going to play exactly you hit it right on the head what else were we supposed to ask him that's really the main storyline with him and this I, is I get why he's frustrated though. It, it, you I know mean, t- to an extent but this is our first time talking to him i know he probably does not know that but i think like you, you know you hit a basketball player say well somebody paid to come see me play today that's never seen me play before we've never interviewed him before in this <laughs> setting he Are knows we? he's never sat down with us so uh you have to think that we're probably going to ask him some questions that he's answered all already but as far as what we could ask him i don't know what we would i mean we hit other things the, the bryce young wild moments and things of that nature but he should be excited about having a new role and 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 being able to be the guy that a lot of people thought he was going to be coming out of that rookie well year. at least for me you know my my point was not to say you know i, I wish he was you know more excited to talk to us right i know mm-hmm. that's not necessarily your point either mm-hmm. my point is i'm pointing out how frustrated it is to have to talk about that conversation point every single offseason because if you're doing that after your rookie year where you're very good and then you move to your second season I don't know if you play at that rookie of the year caliber level 
next year. I don't know if you play at that rookie of the year caliber yeah. level. And now here we are talking about the same exact thing, except now you have a new defensive coordinator. So I can understand that, but I do expect his role to at least uh, accentuate his strengths. I, I expect that to happen. So that's why if you have any trust in Averro being the defensive coordinator here too, then I think that's something you should expect from somebody that had so much success at Denver. Hey, let's play this guy in a role that he actually plays really well in. Exactly. And now you have Von Bell. I mean, Wes, not only do you have a coaching staff that could be making different decisions, but you now have Von Bell that allows you to do whatever you want with the Jeremy Chin. Same thing with Xavier Rhodes being comfortable enough with him on the back end to where Jeremy could just be moved around anywhere. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, that I think Ezra has to love about this defense is he has a few guys that he can do uh, multiple things with and give you a lot of different looks because that's the hardest part, I think, too, when you're instituting a new defense. Do you have versatile players? And I think the Panthers have a few. When you talk about Von Bell, you talk about Jeremy Chen, then you talk about Frankie Louvre, a guy that's going to slide into the inside, but then he's also used to being uh, that linebacker that can get on the outside and make plays in a four three so you like what you've got there and then also when you talk about Brian Burns and and uh, YGM and, and Marquise Haynes these are guys that for the last couple of seasons have had their hands in the dirt playing that defensive end but now they can stand up play on the outside of that three four so I think there's some versatility and some ways that he can play with the minds of some of the quarterbacks and the offensive coordinators that he's going to go against so uh, for Jeremy you know hopefully uh, he's not too frustrated by the question I think a lot of people are excited to see him back in that role. I know I can't wait to see what he's going to do and if he can return to form uh, from what he was his rookie year. So let's talk about some of the other comments we got from outside linebacker coach Luke Abu, who joined mm -hmm. us as the first guest earlier on uh, Wesson Walker. We'll put that on the website, WFNZ.com. Just click on the Wesson Walker tab. Linebackers that we were asking about, some of those edge rusher guys, Wes, it was Amari Barno and Marquise Haynes, both on the smaller end, but also freak athletes. Mm -hmm. He did say the conversation around Marquise being so small doesn't necessarily see it. He's bigger than what everybody is talking about. I wonder how much of that is because Lukabu is new to this staff, and maybe he didn't see Marquise Haynes in person in previous years, but it was reported that Haynes put on more weight. Yes. I, Wes, this could be a, a nice breakout year for Marquis Saints. That it could be. And I don't know if I – we're not expecting 10 sacks. I don't know if you're expecting nine or anything close to it. But he had five last year. It was the most that he's produced in the NFL. He's someone that's coming over again after, I think, being one of the later Marty Herney picks after you know his second stint was done. You wonder if an older guy like Haynes, who's about to be 30, if this is the season where he gives you seven and is a good to above average, especially speed rush uh, specialist, when they go and, and they want to bring in some extra pass rush opposite of Burns. Yeah, and you talk about a guy who throughout OTAs and I guess you could say PP, pre-pads, uh, that has been an absolute menace. If we call Marquise Haynes a PP, I don't know, like a pre-pad player, uh, maybe a PPP, yeah, you know me. I don't know if we're going to be able to roll with that, but I'll tell you. <laughs> well, yeah, just saying that this is a guy that you've heard about, just saying PP as far as OTAs, <laughs> things of that nature, a guy that has been just an absolute menace. They said he was one of the more uh, splashy players yeah. out there when you talk about the plays being made, making it hard 
hard on the offense. So now you want to see once those pads come on, can he transition to that? And then is he going to translate it from that into games? Because this is a guy that come out of Ole Miss. We know that he was a pass rush specialist for the Panthers. That's been his role thus far. And maybe now this is the time for him uh, to be able to break out and give the Panthers that opposite guy uh, across from Brian Burns that they're looking for. Talked about Amari Barno too. Said he has. Uh, he said God gave him a lot. You know that was his that was his sentence about Amari Barno, and that's what happens when you run a four three six forty mm. coming out of college. It's moving, man, and I think that's why a lot of people are asking on the text line every single time we talk about edge rushers. Hey, what do y'all think about Amari Barno? Brandon Smith is like that at the linebacker unit, but Kamuk Ruger Hill is the guy that's been making splash plays, having a yes. couple of interceptions. Wes, he might provide some depth if we just want to move up one unit in the defensive uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Kamu Gruger Hill, how much do you think he can help this football team as just a depth piece if Frankie Louvu or Shaq Thompson, you know, if they need a spell or whatever, is he a guy that you're looking to to maybe say, hey, okay, you know, I feel comfortable with him out there on the football field? Well, he's got to be, and I'm not telling anybody any secret they don't know that injuries happen in football. So you're going to come in and you're going to have to be ready to go. At that 6'2", 230 pounds, this is a guy that you're already hearing about making plays here, and I think, you know, maybe he feels comfortable in this Ezra Evero defense, and he's a guy that could help you out. So we'll see uh, what he can continue to do, but so far early in camp, it's a name – that you're hearing, and I feel like it's a guy uh, that they could use, and he's going to be important, a key depth piece. So it, there are names that just keep popping up that aren't on the discussion or the topic list as we go into camp, right? I mean, I, nobody was ready to talk about Gruger Hill, but he keeps making plays, and so now he's part of the conversation. LaVisca Chenault might have been true for both cases. Yes. I think people probably were a little interested in what his role was going to be, but also he keeps making plays and he's a part of the offense. Whether he's even making plays or not, plays are being drawn up for him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the interesting part about LaVisca Chenault, as is you know C.J. Henderson, Keith Taylor, guys that we weren't going to discuss a ton on any kind of positive side. They've given us some positive things to talk about. And so I think that's what you like. Of course, the Stars are going to do their thing. We're going to be interested in Bryce Young, his first year, taking the offseason in for the first time ever playing in the NFL. But these other players that really could make a big-time difference depth-wise, you're, you're seeing some good things from a, a handful of those dudes. Yeah, and so uh, you just want to continue to get guys coming out every day, man. This is just what it's going to be. And I feel like uh, the stories are going to rotate from week to week. We're going to hear about some guys trending up some guys trending down as we go through but the guys that we consistently hear about and then see it in the preseason games those are going to be the guys that I feel like uh, the Panthers are going to count on so I can't wait to see uh, next week who's going to be the big story coming out of camp and who's the guy that might be trending down not that you want to hear about anybody trending down but yeah. you also uh, just want to see just the trajectory of guys as we go week to week during camp because it's a long way until we get to game number one all right plenty more to get to, but just a couple more segments to go here on Wesson Walker. We are at the Mungo Student Center watching a bunch of Carolina Panthers players walk through. I think they're going to meetings. Got to see Bradley Bozeman, Derek Brown, lots of the foundation pieces for this Carolina Panthers team. Maybe we'll see some others uh, come through as we are here. One more time for uh, before we go to the week that was, or uh, even, I, I should say, just the last segment here on Wesson Walker. It's all still to come. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We've been bringing it to you live all day from Wofford. We are in the Benjamin Johnson Arena. Basketball going on here, all types of stuff. Walker trying to make trick shots during the break. Colin is doing He's gotten very close. Colin's over there trying to do some trick shots as well, trying to get on Walker's level. But hit us <laughs> up on the text line, 704-570-9610. We've been talking about ACC Mount Rushmore linebackers, seeing a lot of that on the text line, seeing questions uh, about the Panthers as well. So hit us with your questions and what you got. Don't forget on social media today. WFNZ Instagram and Twitter. Also follow at Walker Mail at West Bryan underscore seven two and at HTB underscore Josh on those platforms as well. But for now, it's time to go to the campus. Count. I don't know if he's going to be ready for it. No matter. Uh, he doesn't need to give me. Okay. Yeah. There you there go. Show dynamics. There you go. Perfect. All right. Look, man. The ACC realignment rumors have started again. Uh, I saw over the weekend they were talking about that the Big Ten could be looking to try to add Clemson and Florida State as of this week. I saw that yesterday. Uh, but then the ACC also trying to make some moves as well. And I saw, according to Clutch Points, that Oregon and Washington are maybe the teams that the ACC has its eye on with Colorado now going back to the Big 12, in my opinion, where they belong. But Coach, uh, not Coach, but ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips told ESPN ACC has been and remains highly engaged at looking at anything that makes us a better and stronger conference. They spent considerable time, considerable time on expansion to see if there's anything that fits and they've got a tremendous group of institutions, but if there was something that made us better, we would absolutely be open to it, In quote. So, Walker, what would you think of Oregon and Washington joining the ACC? Yeah, so if you look at David Hale writing about this, some of the schools they've looked into, the potential targets are West Virginia, SMU. You mentioned the schools across the country, Oregon and Washington, and that would be weird. Uh, big time <laughs> NFC West Carolina Panthers days vibes. That's what it yes. would feel like with those two schools being a part of it. Now, if you are talking about a school like Oregon, I don't know how much the ACC cares because you are talking about a school that at least you think about having a ton of money because of the Nike relationship that they have where every single uniform is going to be fired that they put out there on the football field. Mm -hmm. But it would feel really weird, right, to have those schools all the way across the country. But the thing is, the ACC, some of the athletic directors still might be concerned that the Big 12 TV deal is going to be over and done with four years before the ACC's deal is going to be done. 
they feel like the Big 12 can capitalize on something maybe a little more quickly than some of the ACC schools. And that's why they feel this kind of pressure. And that's how I think you saw the Magnificent Seven, even though the Magnificent Seven that came together to try to have a redistribution. Big-time cap. Big cap, as you might say. <laughs> so I do think the ACC is in a decent spot right now. I understand some of the frustration that you might have against Jim Phillips. I get it to a certain degree. But we're going to have to see how this thing plays out longer and longer. Seven more years. Yes, yeah, seven more years, I believe, are on the, the, the contract, the deal between the, – uh, excuse me, it extends until 2026, the grant of rights. So we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, like Oregon and Washington West, it would definitely feel weird for them to be joining this conference. Yeah, and you talk about the travel and the money for these schools. I know these schools do make a lot of money, but it would be costly trips, especially, you know, you're talking about uh, – trips during the week to go play at Washington and Oregon both ways for both teams so that would be absolutely crazy it just seems like there's a new rumor every other week when you're talking about college football man they come hot and heavy but another team that is definitely being reported to be actively looking to get out of the ACC is one Florida State uh, according to JWB Sports slash JWP Sports slash CFB alerts rumors are heavy and Chris Knee of FSU 24 Seven is reporting that Florida State is actively looking to leave the SEC for the SEC. Good Lord, can I say anything today? Actively looking to leave the ACC, and they say they are saying the SEC or the Big Ten seem to be what they want. And so I ask you, we're ACC kids, grew up watching it as well. I was a huge FSU fan when I was a kid. I mean, how hurt would you be to see the Noles leave the ACC? Um, it would be weird to see them, especially like I, I know it's not, I guess, an original member, but also you are talking about a school that pretty much my entire lifetime. And they increased the profile of the conference. No doubt about it, especially early on, which leads me to this conversation. And this goes back to my convo with Joe Ovius just last week at ACC kickoff. When we have all of this criticism for Jim Phillips, when you have all the criticism towards the ACC not being in a good spot, doesn't it just kind of rely on Florida State and Miami being good again? And in Florida State's sense, it's not too crazy long ago that they were good. It, it's weird for them. The timeline is certainly considerable. But we are talking about what? Oh, man, is it is it a decade ago? It's, mm -hmm. it's crazy how time flies. But when we go to that championship game that Jameis Winston was able to win over Auburn, you had the comeback, you had Kelvin Benjamin, you had Rashad Green, you had so many different talented players that helped them get that championship, and they were a part of the ACC. And then not even that long after that, Clemson is starting to win a championship. And then you have Lamar Jackson winning the Heisman. It's just been a while since some of your mainstays at the top of the conference, they've gone down a little bit. No, the U isn't back. Have they ever even been here nope. in the ACC? Except for the one season they made the championship game. And so that's a tough one because once they join the ACC, you think, oh, man, it's just going to be it's going to be fantastic for our football side of things. And it, it really isn't. Their basketball program has been better than their football no program question about within it. a basketball type of conference. I just don't think anybody could have seen that coming. Really, it might be as simple as that. Can Florida State be a perennial powerhouse? And can Miami get back to any semblance of what they used to be when you think about them as a football school? I think those two schools starting to grow, that'll do a lot for the ACC's image. Yeah, I think it's always interesting to see what people think about different schools because you have people with the train of thought out there 
that don't like Pitt and Syracuse being in the league. And you have people out there uh, that don't like uh, uh, Virginia Tech and, and some of the other programs that have joined through uh, realignment being in the league. And that's why I asked the question about that. Florida State does seem like more of a mainstay because of the fact of what they did in the 90s. And they increased the ACC's uh, profile when you're talking about football. And so I think that for many, I think that they would miss FSU. I know that I would. I know they've helped in basketball, too, uh, a lot along the years, especially with Leonard Hamilton uh, being in there, taking them to the Sweet 16s, Elite 8s, and things of that nature. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything goes down. But I like to talk about recruiting on here as well in North Carolina, the Tar Heels. Mac Brown strikes again, got a big commitment over the weekend. They're 25th in the class of 2024. They picked up four-star wide receiver Alex Taylor. He picked them over Clemson, NC State, Penn State, and Virginia Tech. He's the highest rated commitment for North Carolina in that cycle, and he joins uh, other three-star receivers. Jordan Ship, son of Queen City legend Steve Ship out of West Charlotte High School and Keenan Jackson in this class. In 2022, he had a team-high 65 catches for 1,034 yards and 12 touchdowns for Grimsley High School in Greensboro and currently in the 2024 recruiting cycle, North Carolina possesses the number 22 ranked recruiting class, fourth in the ACC behind Florida State, Clemson, and Miami. So Mac Brown getting it done, getting a huge commitment. And people kind of sleep on North Carolina's receiver tradition as well. They've had some pretty good ones over the years, and these young guys that they got are looking to be the next ones. Well, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, I, immediately, if we wanted to do the random ACC player list again, we can go to Hakeem Nix, one of my favorite receivers of all time. I loved every time they do a feature on him. It was the fact that he had quadruple XL gloves that he would bring yes. to the table. Love seeing that of course, a Charlotte kid as well. So pretty cool to see Hakeem Nix and what he was able to do. Let's look at this crop of receivers, though, because, yeah, you might be sleeping on the history of North Carolina, but they don't have Josh Downs coming back. And they did lose their top two wide receivers from a year ago. And they added transfers, Nate McCollum from Georgia Tech. They also added Tez Walker out of Kent State. But I don't know how exactly great you're feeling about the wide receiver Drake room. Drake Mayfield's great about him. That's what he said in our room. Well, He's I mean, excited. well, I know. <laughs> I, I hope so. Doing, right? No, no, I hope so. <laughs> I hope Drake Mayfield's very good about the guys that he's throwing to. You did have Elijah Green, who had 558 yards, eight touchdowns. He's going to be back on what might be the deepest position of this team for the running back. So even if you don't have the star, the, the, the star-laden talent at wide receiver, like your Deami Browns or your Josh Downs, Running back, with them developing a pretty good history there as well, it looks like running back Drake May himself it's going to allow you to think that the offense is going to be the strongest unit for that team. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Mac talked about in our room as well, Mac Brown, that is. He talked about uh, Elijah Green and having British Brooks back yeah. on that offense, helping so much to be able to alleviate some of the running that Drake May has had to do with those transfer receivers in there. We're going to see how they compare because Drake May looks to be a quarterback that's going to make receivers better no matter who you put uh, in front of him to be able to throw to. So he should be able to make McCollum and Walker 
Walker, both stars, J.J. Jones in the mix as well. I'm ready to see Kobe Pace out, out of Kings Mountain. That's where I was born. Ready to see Kobe Pace Is that Pace right? Out. I don't think yes, I Yes, I was born in Kings Mountain uh, Hospital. Never lived a day there, though. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll see if Kobe Pace Hour steps up in the mix as well. And a lot of people giving a lot of love uh, to Byron, to Bryson Nesbitt at that tight end position, right. too. A lot of people think he's a guy that could step up. So that's the campus corner. Now let's flip the page really quick to be able to talk uh, a little bit of Charlotte Hornets basketball, Walker Mail. And so we have uh, the topics of just being here at Wofford at the training camp for the Carolina Panthers. And what are the biggest differences between uh, Carolina and the Charlotte Hornets right now when we look at how these organizations are being built? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at where Carolina was a year ago, and they're going after their second retread quarterback in Baker Mayfield after Sam Darnold, I should say their third, because Teddy Bridgewater came in. And I actually did a, a nice enough job the first half of that season. Second half is where I think people were ready to move on from him. I don't know if Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield were the guys that people really wanted. And we were in a bad spot. I mean, we were in a bad spot, certainly, in that first month of the season. I don't know if off-season-wise, Wes, that the expectations were so low, but it's night and day. I mean, you heard Jeremy Chin earlier in the show. It's night and day the morale is. It doesn't matter who you ask. It is completely different. And now it's not just about talking the talk. It's all about what you're going to do on Sundays. And I expect the Carolina Panthers to be a better football team by a decent amount than what they were last year. And certainly at the beginning portion. Because Steve Wilkes comes in and really seems to turn over the culture. And it was a beautiful thing. It's why a lot of people thought he should get that head coaching job. Now you bring in Frank Reich but also you bring in an all-star cast of coaches at every single spot. That's why you're feeling so good about it. And I think the players, as much as the fans like the coaching staff, the players are feeling great. The Charlotte Hornets aren't that down bad as far as the kind of awfulness you were feeling the first month of the Carolina Panthers uh, season. Brandon Miller is the number two overall pick. And it doesn't matter if you like Scoot Henderson a lot more than Brandon. I know I was the guy that raised my hand and said, yeah, I want Scoot. But you have a number two overall pick on your squad. That's about, I mean, especially in a deeper draft, Wes, you can feel good about that guy coming in, maybe helping you out right away in some areas, but even long-term feeling good. We did an episode on Lockdown Hornets about Mark Williams, where the advanced stats were through the roof last year, especially interior defense. They were phenomenal. And that's exactly what you want his role to be going forward. Such a smart player, you have a foundational piece there. I don't know if you're going to have the year-to-year -year turnaround that Carolina just had from last season to this year in 180-degree feeling change. I don't think you're going to have that, but you do have some nice enough pieces. You hope that guys can come back from injury well enough to where maybe they can be on the right trajectory. Not so sure you think there's a clear path for this team, though. Yeah, and so uh, one of the things that you think about, Bleacher Report just put out uh, an article about starting lineups that are still a mess after NBA free agency, and they had the Charlotte Hornets right in there at the top of the list, and they talked about they had one of the worst starting lineups in the NBA last season, and they said they had a minus 7.9 net rating and 177 possessions. And so the thing I was been... The 
that I've been saying this whole offseason is just what is the direction of this Hornets franchise? What is it that they're trying to do? We know you want to build around LaMelo, but you've got so many vets. Then you have the number two draft pick in. You have Mark Williams, so you've got young building blocks, but you also have a lot of vets that we don't anticipate being here longer than the next couple of seasons. You're not looking like the signing of P.J. Washington is going well, and and I've said in the NBA, it's all about who's your duo, who's your trio. And so for the Hornets, it's like, okay, who's the duo, who's the trio? Are you going to establish that this season? While the Carolina Panthers seem to uh, be on the right track after some of the dysfunction they had with the Matt Rule, but they look to be on the right track and have a solid foundation as far as we know we've got our franchise quarterback in Bryce Young. We've got the left tackle. We've got the pass rusher. They've got a lot of the key pieces locked down. Then they brought in the coaching staff to supplement that, whether you talk about Ezra Evero coming in, establishing this multiple front defense that's going to do a lot. Like, I can define what I think of the Panthers at pretty much a lot of different levels. And then you talk about offensively, what they're going to do, bringing in a Miles Sanders and bringing in veteran receivers to bring along Bryce Young. So it feels like that there's a lot of clarity in Carolina's organization as they head into their season. And with the Charlotte Hornets, we're still not sure who's going to be on the roster, who's going to be the starting five, and what does the future look like beyond this season. I think it's fair to ask what the direction of this team is, especially after not doing anything in free agency. And that's been the case for the last three seasons. Last year, you get Cody Martin to come back on what I thought was a totally fair deal for both sides, but he plays 50 seconds before he goes down with an injury and then only appears in seven contests the entire season. That was the free agent pickup that you made in the meat of free agency. And then you get Dennis Smith Jr., very late, kind of falls into your lap alongside yeah. Teo Maladon. Like, we can give the Hornets credit. I want to play this in the middle. We can give them credit, but I don't want to give them too much because it, they just kind of fell into their laps, right? Like, I don't think anybody expected that from DSJ or even that from Teo Maladon. And if you thought he outperformed his expectations in Teo, they still haven't even brought him back after they picked up his qualifying offer. P.J. Washington started the most games for this team last year. He started 73 out of the 73 he appeared in. Nobody even came close to that except for Terry Rozier, who was 10 games less at starting 63, of course, appearing in 63 as well. I don't know who he's going to play for next year right now. I mean, he doesn't have a contract with the Hornets. I'd still point towards the Hornets more than any other team, but I don't feel great about it. I think that list about the mess of a starting lineup is probably a little strong when you have them atop the list. The reason it was so bad last year, if you want to point to the net rating as they did, well, LaMelo played 36 games. Sure. Yeah, Miles Bridges wasn't on this squad, and now he's on this team. I don't even know if Gordon Hayward's going to start. I, don't, I think he might come off of the bench, maybe even at the beginning, and then Brandon Miller's in the starting lineup because Miles Bridges is missing the first 10 games, and then after Miles Bridges is eligible to come back, then you'll have a familiar face there. It's 50-50. I think that's your point, right? I don't, I don't know if it's a clear direction. I think because their lack of either aggression or plan the last three free agency periods, it doesn't make you feel great. But LaMelo's health, hopefully that's going to be there this season. Hopefully Miles Bridges and LaMelo can have that kind of chemistry that they had two years ago. Hopefully P.J. comes back and in a role better suited for him, goes back to his three-point shooting ways on lower volume, but way more efficient and just being a defensive stalwart. And now you have somebody new in Mark Williams, who I'm very excited about for the future. 
it's 50-50. There are things to like, and there are things certainly that you're a little worried about. And that doesn't seem to be the case for Carolina, where everywhere you look, it's positivity all around. Yeah, no doubt about it. So it's going to be interesting to see how each of their seasons go uh, as we get into the seasons for each of these teams. But when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, we're going to give you the week that was and close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. One last segment to go on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're still watching Colin perform some trick shots. We're going to get in on it after the show is over. He's come close, shooting a football and a hoop from half-court line, even full court. I tried a full-court shot just a little while ago. It was a little high, put a little too much mustard on it. So if I pull back a little bit, I feel like the line was right. So we're going to see after the show if I can hit it or not. But it's been a wide-open gym for us. We've been broadcasting here in Spartanburg, South Carolina, for Carolina Panthers training camp, the first day of pads. Icky told us that he's been ready for this. Same thing for Jeremy Chin. And you know the coaches are happy about pads hitting training camp schedule right now. Oh, no doubt about it, because this is when you start to find everything out. Uh, just like Coach Luca Boo said, man, that's one of the reasons they get excited, because especially for a defensive coach, it is hard to tell how a play would have played out unless it's an interception or a pass breakup or something like that, or unless it's just a clear play where a guy is able to get his hands and maybe wrap his hands around. You know how guys mess around during practice. But even still, you may not know even in a situation like that because once the pads come on, how physical is a guy? Is he going to be a short tackler? Can you count on him? So these are all things that defensive coaches can start to find out uh, is their best-case scenario before they get into game action. I think everybody's really excited about the upcoming Panther season. We just talked about some of those expectations in the last segment. I wanted to bring this to the text line though 704-570-9610 so my girlfriend can get passage to some of the games just because it's a perk of her job and we know about this right through all sorts of different mm -hmm. jobs out there the company will get some season tickets you get the idea and so when you start to pick some of the games that you can go to the entire home slate New Orleans Minnesota Houston Indianapolis Atlanta Green Bay Tampa Bay Saturday January 6th game is that last game against Tampa Bay we were all trying to figure out what games you'd like to attend most. Here are my thoughts. I said the Saints, the Vikings, and the Texans all look intriguing to me right out of the gate. 
Tampa at the end is only interesting because it's a Saturday. You don't mm-hmm. have to go through the Monday toughness that is a tailgating Sunday where you might get a little too froggy at the end. <laughs> but Tampa Bay, the roster, doesn't necessarily seem the most intriguing with some of these other home matchups. Do you agree? Am I right to say that? Saints, Vikings, Texans are some of the most intriguing. I thought about putting the Colts in there too, though, Wes. Yeah, I mean, because you want to see the rookies. So I think that's going to be great. So I agree with you 100% there. I love to see the rookies, the development, see what type of rival can commence between Bryce and some of his peers, but also, man, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this is a team I look at as a possible Super Bowl contender. Uh, depends if the Panthers are in the mix and have a pretty decent record coming into that game. That's going to be a pretty big game. So uh, I, I think Dallas, you have to add to that list as well. You know the Cowboy fans are going to show up in droves, so that's always going to be an intriguing matchup, and I think that's one of the teams I would dare to say, just from my observations over the years, a fan base that the Panthers fan base, the Panthers' fan base loves to mm-hmm. beat is the Cowboys. Yeah, so and it's unfortunate because the Cowboys aren't on this particular list, so it's not every single home game, but you do have Dallas as one of the teams I think would have been the most popular as well, and that's what we're getting on the text line right now. So you do have, now the Bears is on the text line, but that's going to be on the road for Carolina this season. So the home games, as you mentioned, the Saints, Vikings, Texans right off the bat. And then you have the Colts coming in. So you got two rookie quarterbacks that are going to be fun. Back-to-back, Houston, October 29th, and then the Colts come to town on November 5th. And then you travel to Chicago where he's not a rookie quarterback, but everybody wants to see what Justin Fields can do with this new crop and DJ of talent. Moore. And then, uh, yeah, DJ Moore playing for Chicago. You're probably right, though. If you had to pick, to, uh, pick one home game to go to, would it be Dallas or would it be a different team? Uh, yeah, I would say Dallas for sure. That's going to be, as I said, if the Panthers are sitting at 500, maybe a little bit above that, you would think Dallas is going to come to that game with mm-hmm. a record that's one of the best in the NFC. So I think that'll be a really good matchup. Oh, J.J. brings up a good point on the text line, too. Houston is going to be the Julius Peppers and Musin Muhammad mm-hmm. Hall of Honor game. And so how much does that put on a game like Houston? Because the draw there is C.J. Stroud, getting to see C.J and Bryce Young go against one another so early into their NFL career. But now you're going to get to see some Panthers Hall of Honor now members see their name um, displayed. I think that's going to put quite a bit of uh, intrigue on that. Yeah, that adds some extra juice. You get the nostalgia. You get to see two of the greatest Panthers of all time uh, going in there. So I think that definitely adds to it. I was asking Colin about this, too. We got to see Taylor Moten walk through the gym, just going to some film sessions, as we mentioned earlier. I feel like Taylor Moten is going to be one of those guys, Wes, to me, that is in the conversation for among the more underrated Panthers of all time. Because he doesn't have a Pro Bowl nod. Mm -hmm. And when you start to go to pro football reference and you don't see any of those asterisks next to the name, then you're immediately going to move to somebody like maybe Ryan Khalil, who was a phenomenal center, and point to him and say, oh, well, he's a no-brainer. He plays right tackle, too. Besides guard, and maybe even less than guard, Wes, is there a more undersung position? Because... At least guard-wise, you do have the – you at least have some impressive tape of the, the road graders just going in, putting dudes on their backs, and you know how much interior pass rush is king. Center is the only position of its type. And then when you talk about tackles, it's all about the left tackle. There's a reason they get paid significantly more money than the right tackle gets paid. 
Where does right tackle rank among the most undersung positions in all of football? Yeah, I mean, I think that it is very undersung because there are some famous guards, whether you talk about a Larry Allen or Nate Newton or some of those guys. But when you look at uh, the best right tackles, I mean, you're looking at a list right here, the best right tackles of all time, Forrest Greg, Ron Yari, Joe, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Mike McCormick, <laughs> Rayfield Wright, and Jackie yeah. Slater. Now, Jackie Slater that's is the, the one. guy that I know. Yep, that's yeah, the one. The most 100%. out of those guys. But, yeah, man, the, because – the right tackle is no more as the road grader. We know that. The guy that does a lot of the run blocking. And we know that really good right tackles eventually move over to the left side anyway. So, yeah, man, it is very uh, undersold, undervalued on a team. Important nonetheless. But, yeah, I agree so, with you. And so my, I guess my question is, when we talk about Ring of Honor, if Taylor Moten you know, plays, I don't know, five, six more years or something like that at real top-notch football, but maybe gets one or two Pro Bowl no, uh, Pro Bowl nods, maybe none. I mean, that's yeah. certainly within the equation as well. But you play right tackle where you list the top five guys on just some random list, and the only one we know is Jackie Slater yeah. at the very end of it. Is he going to be one that probably has a better case than a lot of people are willing to give him? Because, well, we just don't – if we talk tackles – Every best tackle you can think of probably played on the left yeah. side of that offensive line. They get line. the most publicity, so there's no question that's going to be the case. But if he can make a couple of Pro Bowls down the stretch, that's going to help him yeah. out a lot. So if we talk about guys on the roster right now, I think we feel, you know, at least it's in play. It's it's a it's a long career ahead for some of these players, but Iki Aquanu is one that comes to mind. Burns is certainly someone that comes to mind. We'll see about Bryce Young, the QB, some of the more you know, familiar names that you might come across. But Iki Aquanu, Wes, if, if he can project like we think he can, and he has an Andrew Thomas-type glow-up in his second year, Thomas getting the bag with the New York Giants, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Iki Aquanu's name is going to be on Bank of America Stadium. Oh, no question. And he's now, a it's, local it's, guy. Now, I know we're gassing that up a little too much. Yeah, but he's, but he's a local guy, too. That's yeah, going to add to it's true. it because there's so much more pageantry when it's a homegrown kid. Yeah, 704 also wrote in, I've always wondered if you have a left-handed QB, is the right tackle more important than the left tackle? Yes. I mean, it's the blind side. It's all about the blind side, and you just don't have a ton of left tackles out there. But because we continue to put more prominence on it, understandably, because there's so many right QBs, but if you have a left-handed QB, maybe like a Tua down in Miami, all of a sudden that right tackle job becomes just as important because that's the position that you're playing. All right, that'll do it. From one left tackle in Wes Bryant to (laughs) one that just got Icky to believe he played left tackle for some odd reason in Walker (laughs) Mail. Thanks to Colin Hoggard helping us here in Spartanburg, and thanks to Josh Fitty Marlowe down to the plate at Kia oh. Studios. It looked good. Colin just had a full-court shot attempt, and it looked good the entire way. Either way, we'll end with an exclamation point. We'll be back at the plate at Kia Studios tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Weston Walker here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Mm. Willie P. coming up next.